Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the short thing today. It is November 8th. Warren and Ryan here with you. We will talk about the NFL weekend as it was upset Sunday. Shocking results around the league, around the shield, as the people say. So we will talk about that. We'll talk about the college football weekend, a couple of other things going around as well. We'll have picks from action as well. So don't fret on that front. You can check us out on Spotify. Apple Podcast and under the podcast section on the iHeartRadio app. That's well, Ryan. How's it going out there? It's going good. Going good. Good weekend. Uh, like I said, some wild football yesterday, and uh, yeah, cold weather. I don't know about you, but I had to be out outside pretty early, both Saturday and Sunday, and it was pretty damn cold. So there's that. Uh, well, Saturday and Sunday were nice. Well, like I said, I'd be out there early in the morning, so it was about 35 degrees at about 7 a.m. both days. And uh, so, yeah, it's a little cold, a little cold for my taste. All right. Well, I was out there at like 11 and it was perfect. Yeah, no, definitely warmed <laughs> up. Friday and Saturday. Or, yeah, it was uh, it was nice out there. Um, but, uh, hey, that's what's going to happen right now. When uh, you get the warm afternoons, you're going to get chilly mornings. That is what uh, that is what goes on there. All right, well, huh? Yeah, you're right. Oh, sorry, you just laid out or whatever. But all right, we'll get into the NFL here. Yesterday, big time, um, big time upsets around the league. Obviously, the Broncos just curb stomping the Cowboys. Um, the the Jaguars holding on against the Bills, but the Manning curse. That's really not a surprise to anybody that knew about the Manning curse going in the Manning cast curse going into this week. So they held on. Um, what was another one? Another upset. Uh, the Titans, I guess you could say, over the Rams, but I'm not that surprised uh, over that because um, they they have their Simmons and the Mississippi State defensive linemen. They get the most uh, pressures right now since week six in the NFL. So they're getting a lot of pressure on them. But, uh, yeah, lots of uh, surprising results around the league. Yeah, the dogs were the dogs were barking yesterday, as they say. Um, like you said, you know, obviously the Broncos beating the Cowboys. Uh, if you if we go by the betting line, obviously the Browns they were a small dog to the Bengals. They blow them out. They look like a completely different offense than we've seen the last couple of weeks. Falcons they go out there and beat Marcus Simeon or excuse me Trevor Simeon and uh, the Saints. Uh, the Giants beat the Raiders. So yeah, a lot of dogs yesterday. Uh, the Vikings were kept it close. They were actually they were steamrolling the Ravens and then gave up a double digit lead in the second half to uh to blow it in overtime and lose it but uh yeah wild wild uh Sunday a lot of teams that you were expecting I saw the uh, Circa um sports survivor pool Circa sports out in Vegas they had something like 500 uh entries lose yesterday because of the Cowboys losing you know because of all the all the dogs that ended up winning so there was a if you're in a survivor pool and you survived week nine, chances are you're in a pretty good spot right now. Yeah, well, mainly too because the big under they're the big favorites lost in Dallas and Buffalo. Correct. And that's that's the big one. And even if people took a shot at San Francisco with Arizona out, that the people are like, hey, maybe I'm not going to use San Francisco. I don't want to, or I don't want to use Buffalo or Dallas. I want to save them for a later game in the season. Um, I'll I'll take a shot on San Francisco when they uh. 
they they bit the bullet as uh, as well. There, the Dallas game though was interesting. They got absolutely shredded on the ground, just shredded on the ground. Um, Javante Williams had 111 yards rushing, only on 11 on 17 carries, and then Melvin Gordon 21 for 80, so almost 200 yards on the ground there. And they just didn't Dak. That's probably one of that's one of Dak's worst games by far. There, he was just under pressure the entire game. Just the offensive line was bad. Lyle Collins was back. They kind of shuffled it around with Terrence Steele at left tackle. Was Tyron Smith out? That just didn't work. And and Terrence Steele was playing well at right tackle, but left tackle he was bad. They just couldn't get anything going. And then the one break you think they get with a block punt. The guy had the, the guy had to touch the ball, or he touched it, and then that the Broncos recovered that. Just a bad, unlucky bounce there, and you thought, okay, maybe you get some momentum. Nope, the Broncos get it back, and they just got absolutely housed right there. Yeah, the biggest thing that I noticed um, watching this game early was a lot of the missed tackles or broken tackles that both Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams were running through. I mean, there was numerous times where you think they're stopped short of a first down or stopped short, you know, of the line to gain, whatever it was. And uh, then they get an extra three or four yards just by running through tackles or, or keeping those legs churning. And uh, it was a pretty balanced attack. Um, I thought, like you said, they definitely got shredded on the ground, but Teddy Bridgewater still made quite a few good throws. Uh, Tim Patrick made a couple really, really good catches. Uh, Jerry Judy was all over the place. So, I mean, it was, uh, you know, just as as much as they were getting shredded on the ground, I think the Broncos did a good job of kind of keeping the Cowboys on their toes. And kind of a funny, you know, they kept mentioning on the broadcast uh, time and time again, the Broncos trading one of their, you know, best defensive players they've ever had in Von Miller. And then they come out and they were blanking the uh, Cowboys there for quite some time. And, and you know, on the flip side of that, Cowboys get arguably their, their best player back. And, uh, you know, poor, poor performance offensively. Obviously, Zeke and Tony Pollard were you didn't get the production out of them that you're used that you're used to or that you've been getting recently. And when you're down 16-0 or or 19-0, whatever it was, it's it's hard to to you know continue to trust the running game when you need to start start scoring in bunches. But yeah, Dak was missing quite a few uh uh throws, you know, a lot of throws that he had been making prior to the calf injury. He was under pressure quite a bit. I mean, under pressure, it seemed like almost every time he dropped back. Uh, you know, he had somebody in his face. So it was it was just a really good performance by, you know, a very average team in, in Denver. And they came in and uh, played uh, much, much better and made the Cowboys look like the the average team here. Well, maybe. So, you know, last week we talked about a while the NFC. Is they've got some really good teams at the top and everything like that, like you could say, oh, maybe if you look at the better teams, they have the better teams. Maybe the case is that these NFC teams really just aren't that good. And the AFC teams are just beating up on everybody. Cause there's 11 teams in the AFC right now that are, uh, have five wins. Maybe the AFC is just a lot better than the NFC and the NFC is just feasting on all the bad teams there. And the AFC is having to slug it out every week. Uh, and that's the case. Maybe I, the I would, I would, I'll get a little pushback on that. You know, just specifically talking about the Broncos, because uh, you look at their three wins, three of their wins, Giants, Jags, Jets, Washington, four wins. And then, yeah, they do beat a good Cowboys team here. So, uh, you know, you'll get a little pushback on that. And you look at their four losses, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Cleveland. Three of those four teams, I would say, are good. Pittsburgh being, you know, 
maybe average or slightly below average. So, uh, you know, while I, while I get what you're saying, because uh, you look at the, the the NFC is very, very top heavy in the standings. You know, like you said, uh, uh, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, the Rams and Tampa Bay are all right there. And then now Green Bay, uh, which, you know, two of those teams, lost, three of those teams lost this week. Uh, so it is very top heavy while everybody else is kind of bottom feeders in the in the NFC. And you do have a lot, a lot of those more teams, a lot more teams, excuse me, uh, right around 500 or, or, you know, sniffing 500 or, or, or more. Well, yeah, but then you could also say, hey, the Titans went in and mauled one of the best teams in the NFC if you're doing this. The Ravens, people think the Vikings are a better team when that think that they're a better team with than what their record shows, but they go come back against them. And the Patriots handle the Panthers, which Sam Darnold, it's tough. I've been on the Darnold wagon. The Darnold wagon might be losing a losing a supporter here because um, that's been pretty tough. But you see these middle-of-the-road middle, middle of the road teams, when they play the cross-conference games right now, they're having their way uh, with a, a little bit with the, uh, with the NFC, at least when it comes to the AFC. Yeah, but see, that's another bad example that you gave, you know, in both Minnesota and Carolina. I wouldn't say either either of those teams are, you know, good or going to be fighting for a playoff spot. So, like I said, I I I totally fighting for a playoff spot. They're a win behind, and the the AFC or the NFC is so bad. Their Carolina is 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 has as many wins as Atlanta, and then they would be considered uh their one uh, half game out of the playoffs. I mean, yeah, sure. But again, I mean, how good is Carolina? I'm sure, their win total, you know, you look at their record while we still sit here with seven, eight weeks of play. Sure. But when it comes down to it, I just they're not going to be in the mix and they're probably going to lose a lot more games than they win. And Minnesota's sitting at three and five right now. They're four games behind uh, Green Bay. And as top heavy as this um, this whole conference is, like I just said, neither of those teams are going to be in the hunt come week 11, week 12, week 13, when you're really starting the playoff push. Maybe. I don't know. I don't really know that you could say that because the rest of the conference is so bad and they're going to play like the Vikings play the Chargers this week. But after that, they got the 49ers. There's a game against the Packers and there's the 49ers line. Like there's the whole the whole point of this is that the NFC is a lot worse than the AFC and the AFC. More top is show- yeah. And like I said, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But when what some of the examples you, you've given you know, I just wouldn't agree with those being good teams, but I, I get what you're saying. Th- those teams in the middle of the AFC are going to be better than the ones that we see in the NFC. Hundred percent. And those are just a comparison. Maybe the, the Baltimore, uh, Minnesota, probably a bad comparison, but the comparison with the Patriots and the Panthers, that is right up there. One seventh in the AFC, the other one's eight in the in the uh, NFC, or one's eight in the AFC, the other one's seventh. Like these are just what it is in the in the middle of the road. Yeah. in the conference. Um, but no, maybe then that goes back to maybe the Cowboys there. I mean, I still, I still think the Cowboys are a good, a good solid team, but maybe that the quality of opponent coming up that they've had to face so far throughout the season hasn't been up to snuff as what, uh, we might've been, uh, believing, or I have been believing earlier in the season. I mean, as we've, I've talked about it, you pretty much get six layups, or you should have six layups against a division, um, which is pretty, pretty poor. You've already taken care of two of those. And then you have your, this, this, this year they're facing the, um, what the, a- the NFC South, which is a pretty bad division. And then they're facing the AFC West, which is 
a division that has every team above uh, 500 so far. Um, so that's a good division. But other than that, the schedule is pretty, pretty light out there. Um, but uh, no, I still think that they uh, they're going to r- rally around. And, and the whole thing is, is if you see how many how many weeks in the NFL or how many teams have that you are due one bad, like surprising result, like you're due mm-hmm. a clunker. Yeah. Every team has a clunker. Maybe now since they play 17 games, they're going to have two clunkers. But every team is guaranteed a clunker that you're like, all right, you know what? That was it. We just move on to the next week. Like that, that's what yesterday was. I really don't think there's anything more than that. Well, not only that too, you have more room for, uh, to have that clunker. Cause now with the advent of the 17th game, as well as adding an extra playoff spot, uh, like I said, even if you are due for more than one clunker, you also have the wiggle room to have that one or two, uh, of just bad games where you go out and have a bad loss. So, uh, you know, I, I think with that, the extended schedule now, and, and like I said, the uh, the additional playoff spot, teams really don't feel like every game may be as important as it felt, you know, as just as, as early as last year when it wasn't the case. Um, and so, uh, you know, that that's why I think a lot of teams, obviously you want to try to win every single week, and all these teams are trying to win every single week. But if you do have a bad loss, you just kind of, you know, chalk it up to, hey, you know, whatever. Let's just make sure it doesn't happen again or try to limit this if it is our first one. Try to make sure it doesn't happen again and uh, and keep the ball rolling. And in the, the sense of the Cowboys, if you really look at it, I mean, you know, we can we can always talk about ifs, buts, and whats. But, uh, you know, last week everyone was chalking up that game as a loss because Cooper Rush was going to play. And then he assumed once Dak came back that you would get a win. So are we really any different off of what we would have been, uh, you know, assuming everything kind of went as people expected? No, so I think Cowboys fans, if you're worried about this loss, you shouldn't. Uh, you know, it's like you said, we like we said, you have you have room for you have a little bit of room for for this uh, for these bad losses, and um, uh, it's it's really not in the grand scheme of things. I don't think it's going to be a big deal now if it continues to kind of snowball and they go out and have another bad game next week where the offense just doesn't look like it's clicking. The defense looks a little poor. You have Trevon Diggs kind of going back to what we saw last year with the bad penalties. And, uh, you know, maybe playing a little too aggressive. Look, it's all fine and dandy when you're playing aggressive and you're getting picks. But now when you're playing aggressive and you're holding or you're getting past interference calls or you're just getting beat deep, then it's not so fun anymore. Uh, so if we see kind of things uh, staying in this direction next week, then maybe you start getting a little worried and start sweating it out a little bit. But if, they, if they're if they corrected next week, I haven't even looked at the schedule. Who do they play next week? Who they Atlanta. Got Atlanta. So, yeah, that's a perfect get-right game. Uh, after a game like this, you you uh, have Atlanta, who doesn't have their top wide receiver, um, and uh, has really been playing, you know, poor outside of this past week where they beat a uh, a team on their third string quarterback. Um, so a perfect get right game. But again, if you see that the, these things kind of repeat themselves next week, then maybe you start not to worry, but you kind of start, like I said, sweating a little bit. Things are getting a little balmy. For the Cowboys, if they lose next week. If if things aren't if the ship isn't righted next week, yes. Well, I mean, what is it? Is it is is things starting to starting to look bleak on the how far they think they can go in the season because they're still going to make the playoffs. Oh, one hundred percent. No, agreed. But I don't think that making the playoffs is is just making the playoffs is this team's goal. No, as, I as would... good as things have been, you know, as good as things have been rolling. Um, so you're wanting to make a run, not only to an NFC championship, but to a Super Bowl. But like I said, if, if things, if 
they come out and play poorly like they did again this like they did this past week next week then things you start like i said getting a little a little uh, hot under the collar i don't know about that because last year weren't the bucks the bucks had the week 12 bye week and they were what 500 or whatever they were a couple they were a game over 500 and people were like wow what's going on here and then they had their they won four in a row at the end of the regular season and go on their run. Obviously, they have Tom Brady, so, so circumstances are a little different. But, I mean, I just think we're just in uh, – you're going to see a ton of crazy cycles of teams playing, like have a good stretch where they look – real. like look at the Bengals. They look great. They come off that big win against Baltimore. Then they lose against the Jets. Then they lose against the Browns. They were the number one seed. Now they're out of the playoff picture right now. Like mm-hmm. we're just going to see teams go through cycles. I think say three or four games cycles where they look great. And then for football happens and they aren't as good as they, as they were for whatever reason, that's just football. And then um, it, uh, you get back in that other cycle. I just think that's what's going to happen this year. So yeah, you could look at other things. Defense has given up a lot of yards per play um, or expected yards per play. So that could be something that you're a little worried about. There's things that you could take care of. But I just think it's going to be like a football. It's just a football cycle. Weird stuff happens. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, like you said, the defense has given up a ton of yards. Um, I know the Packers just released Jalen Smith. I don't know if that's something the Cowboys want to maybe address and see if they want to bring him in to, uh, to right the ship defensively. But, uh, you know, they got to figure something out a little bit, you know, to make things to kind of square things up there uh, on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So they we'll see what they do against uh, Atlanta this week, because Atlanta, look, they're hanging there at 500, but uh, they have the uh, ultimate Swiss Army knife in Corderell Patterson. Yeah. So interesting how they will match up against uh, they will match up against that. All right. The other shocker was the uh, Jags against the Bills. Now I would say the shocking thing with that that there was a not that was not a touchdown scored in this one. So all your uh, first t- first TD score uh, tickets ripped those up because no one even had a chance to cash that. I didn't get to see any of this game, but this is just another clunker or whatever. But I mean, I think you have to look at the Manning curse. It's the only reason why they lost. Either that or the Josh Allen curse. One of the two. Um, it's uh, yeah. It was it was quite amazing how buffalo just really couldn't get anything going offensively i mean um the jaguars were just on josh allen the entire time i mean he was getting he was getting uh, hurried and rushed quite a bit obviously getting sacked by the namesake josh allen uh they just couldn't get anything going i kept looking to see if if you know Diggs was injured because it didn't feel like he was getting the ball a whole lot then he finally started getting the ball a little bit things were moving but, uh, you know, that Buffalo, we, I talked about this a few weeks ago. I think Buffalo would really, really benefit from a better running game. They just have zero running game with uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. And trust me, like, I know you have you have J- Josh Allen and you want to throw you want him to throw the ball 40 times a game for sure. But when you become one dimensional like they did and you're just going to be able to send f- five or six guys at him and, you know, get him off his spot, rush him, make him start scrambling a little bit you know we, we've seen time and time again that sometimes he uh gets a, a little wild and crazy and just uh starts freelancing and it's not always the prettiest thing so it was very shocking um you know they they did it without having to score a touchdown which 
I don't know how you feel about that. If you're the offense, if you're Urban Meyer, if you're Trevor Lawrence, that you, you like, you got the win, right. But you didn't score a touchdown. And so, uh, you know, those are things that you got to look at, but Hey, a win's a win, especially if you're Jacksonville and, uh, kind of like you said with the Cowboys, look, if this is the worst loss of the season for the bills, it's a three point loss to the Jags, then so be it. Uh, just keep it moving. Cause you know, you're probably going to be there, uh, come week 17. You're going to be right up there with the rest of these, uh, heavy hitters. Well, the Bills have said that they don't care about the run. They've made that very clear. Right, but Brian. I mean, and that's and that's fair. But like you, I think you need something. You need something just so you don't become so dang one dimensional. Yeah, but they've seen that it works. I mean, Josh Allen is a runner. They use him as a runner. They can use him, but no, I they need a little bit of a running game. But they've they feel more confident and comfortable when they're a pass first offense, and it's worked in the past. And they'll run the ball when they see need to run the ball. And they didn't think they got any good looks yesterday to run the ball. And they decided that. But no, the Jacksonville side, you, who cares if you didn't score a touchdown? You won a game. That's all that matters there. Um, you could go look at what you need to improve there. But you, you grinded one out nine to six. Um, and that's what you needed to do. And then um, things start changing there. Uh if you're a Packers fan this morning, I think you have to be pretty disappointed in your quarterback because that's a game you easily win if Aaron Rodgers is QB and not Jordan Love. So that definitely is a disappointing one. Um, but again, same thing like the Cowboys. I didn't say this, but if you're going to lose a game, like you want to lose your uh, your cross-conference game. So it doesn't – so the head-to-head tiebreakers of your conference record don't matter. So if you're going to lose one, these are the ones to lose. And like the Rams, Packers, and Cowboys all lost to AFC teams, so no tiebreakers, James. But if you're a Packers fan, you got to be fuming at a AA run this morning. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, definitely, you do have you do feel some type of way against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, if you're a Packers fan, but also too, I mean, I think everyone's kind of under the assumption that uh, this is probably his last year with with Green Bay. And this is the guy, Jordan Love, that the Packers decided to take with a first-round pick when it seemed like Aaron Rodgers still had, you know, a good five or six years under his belt. And I understand you always want to be, you know, early on a player rather than late. But when it's a guy like Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you know, you got to think a little bit harder about it. And so now if you are if you are a Packers fan, you're thinking, wait, this is the guy we took to replace Aaron Rodgers? Like, and, you know, we use a first round pick on him. So I think you're probably feeling some type of way against the front office as well. And, uh, you know, I, I would have assumed Matt LaFleur would have had him a little bit more prepared. I mean, they had all week to be prepared. And two, they just they needed to run. I mean, look, I, I love passing the ball. And I, I'm not I don't want to become Ryan run the ball over here. But Aaron Jones is fantastic. And and their backup, A.J. Dillon, he's a pretty good backup, too. The fact that they didn't that they didn't run the ball more and trusted Jordan Love to throw the ball as much as he did when he, especially in the first after the first half, uh, you know, even though you're down 13-0, I feel like they that game was still very very winnable for the Packers. So the fact that they didn't come out and try to run the ball a little bit more in the second half um, was a little bit shocking to me. I mean, look, they throw the ball 34 times between their two running backs, they run it 20 times. Like that's just you probably want to see those numbers flipped a little bit if you're the Packers and you probably win that game. If you do flip those numbers. I don't know, but I don't know about that. If you win the game, if you flip those numbers, the the chiefs defense is one of the worst. Jordan Love was bad. No, I, their passing defense is garbage. No, I know so, but they're 
their defense is then maybe maybe use Aaron Jones in the passing game a little bit more or something you know some more dump offs or some check downs something but they were pushing the ball down the field and uh and that was the other thing too I mean how many times did uh did Jordan Love get pressured and so he just like floated up a ball down the field and hoping that Devontae Adams would go get it or or uh Alan Lazard would be able to just go get it like there were some bad passes where he just kind of threw the ball up there where there was quite a few times where if he's you know, kind of if it's Aaron Rodgers and he's able to get off his first read that the, he has somebody open ac- over the middle of the field. They, they replayed that tons of times on the broadcast as well, that he just kind of panicked, was stuck on his first read and would just lob the ball up there. Well, that's what happens when you're making your first start in the NFL. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, he got to be, uh, I mean, if, if if it's me, I would assume Matt LaFleur, he's, you know, supposed to be an offensive guru. You have your guy a little bit more prepared. I I mean, I would hope LaFleur did. He said after the game, he took responsibility for it. Yeah. I got have to do a better job. But I mean, he's probably going in thinking, hey, this Chiefs, this is a great first game to, to, to go against a team. If you're looking at it, this is a horrible pass defense. Just find Dan Sorensen, throw at him all day because he stinks. And we could be good there. And look, sometimes a guy in his first start, he doesn't perform to what he did in practice or what you're hoping for in the game plan. And I And I think that's what happened with Jordan Love. Like, yeah, it's disappointing he's been in the system for, what, a year and a half right now, and he wasn't able to perform better in his first start. But I also think, too, people are under the conclusion that Rodgers is just gone, unindusted after the year. Like, he didn't say that. The contract was hoping that he could be gone. But what if, like, the Packers make great strides to keep him after the game yesterday? And and what if he what if he's just wants to – stay with the Packers, I guess now, because the Packers did bend over backwards for him and this whole COVID thing and like had his back when he wasn't following the protocols and everything and didn't go up and tell him like, hey, you have to follow this. And now the Packers are going to be left holding a big fine. And Rodgers is probably going to get fined. Like, what if what if the Packers make changes and say, hey, we want you to stay? Like, I think people are also like just come to the conclusion that he's gone when I don't really think that's the case. I mean, all signs were kind of pointing that way. So, you know, yeah, but it's also that was in the off season. Now this is a new season and what, what, what stuff can change over eight months or whatever. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, anything is possible right now, but uh, you know, if, if, if I had to put money on it and I know the, 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 the uh, contract makes it a little bit tougher, um, but it, it made it seem like he was coming back for one more ride and that everybody was kind of, in tune with that, I know the Packers are, are probably like, hey, no, we're we're not quite uh cool with that. But you know, if uh you know so are you gonna are you, would you say that if he if he is gone, you would be surprised? No, I'm not saying that, but I would not I'm but I I would say it's still fit like it's fifty fifty he's he's back or gone. I wouldn't say at least I don't think that it's either like he's totally gone or not. Yeah, that's fair. Like I don't think it's just like, wow, yeah, he's totally like I know Steelers fans think that he's going there next year, but I don't like I um, just because he had nice things to say about Mike Tomlin. But I don't know if he's like gone. He might want to be. But the Packers, again, still have to say he's going to be there. And I don't think he's going to do that. Yeah. But again, he's just his he's just smarter than everybody else. So what uh, what do you know there? All right. What other what Odell? He got freed. I mean, every he got shout out LeBron for free and Odell. Let me, can I say this about LeBron? I don't want to bring up LeBron. Let me tell you this, this man, I love LeBron. There's a bit, this is not NBA because NBA wise, we've, we're seeing a body breakdown right now, but, uh, he is the the he is an amazing human being when it comes to social media. He's tweeting out free LB, free OBJ on, uh, 
on uh, what, what was it, Tuesday when his dad goes to do uh, post a video on his Instagram or whatever. And then yesterday, there it is. Love it. LeBron's just live tweeting the Browns game, tweeting uh, Donovan's People's Jones 60-yard touchdown bomb like nothing happened or whatever. That is the funniest, as people said, that was so rich. It was uh, rich what LeBron did on social media, but hilarious. The offense looked good. Nick Chubb looked like he got the rust off last week. He was great. And then the Browns defense. I know I've trashed the Browns defense, but I mean, the last three games, they've held opponents to 14, 15, and 16 points. It's hard to malign a defense that's held teams under uh, t- under 17 points in, uh, in, in, in three consecutive games, especially against the Bengals, who have a good... Uh, a good offense, but Jamar Chase had a pretty bad game. He had some drops there. And Joe Burrow, boy, he still makes some horrible, horrible throws. Decision-making was poor. The offensive line was terrible, even though they were trying to, they held Miles Garrett successfully a lot. Um, he still got his sack and a half or two sacks. Um, but uh, no, that was a hilarious um a hilarious performance from the Browns yesterday. And one that I say, I, I, I did pick the Bengals. That was the sacrifice pick. If you listen to the show long enough, you should have caught on that. Me picking the Bengals was, was a sacrifice for the Browns win. But I texted my cousin saying that this was nine 28 yesterday morning saying the, the Bengals are too cocky going into this game. The Browns are going to roll and Baker goes off. I don't know if I consider Baker going off considering he only threw 21 passes, but uh, it was a good, uh, good performance. Yeah, no doubt. That's a big win for uh, for the Browns uh, to uh, to get and to get it in that fashion. And the takes are going to be flying, I think, uh, today or the rest of the season, depending how Baker uh, plays um, and the offense goes. The Bengals, I don't know if you saw this, Ryan, but the Bengals ran the first 20 plays of the game. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, well, it is. And they were tied when that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, no, it was a good... Uh, it was a good performance. There are anything else from the NFL? I think that's it. Four and zero on the pit, uh, this week. I got one pending this week for your, or one pending tonight for your boy. You that's have the huge... Bears or the Steelers? I got the Bears plus six. Okay, I was uh, three and two this week. So, so getting back on track after the goose egg. Um, there. All right, college football this weekend. We had the big upset of Purdue, um, taking down Michigan State, which was a spot game. Uh, which I'm not surprised. Purdue's got a great passing offense, and they go face the Buckeyes this week. The game, if LSU has a different quarterback, they beat Alabama easily, I think. Not easily, but they win the game. I'm telling you, Ryan, Alabama is not – they're not good. They're not up to the same Alabama standard, and they're not – like, they're not great. They're not a good team. I shouldn't so, say not a good team, but they're but they're not there. There's nothing to me that has them like separated. I if you ask me who the second best team in the country is, I, I pass. There is no second best team in the country in my mind. They're all just in a group in there of at two, probably Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati. There's all a group in there. Um, maybe Michigan and Michigan State on the outside. There's a group. There's no ranking for me, but they are just not. They are not up. They have. They're Alabama's a flawed, a flawed, flawed team. Now, the first part of that statement, I agree with. Right now, it is Georgia. They are. They are the best team. And then there is that group that you mentioned. A lot of the teams that you mentioned. So that part I would agree with. But of that group, 
I'm probably going to put Alabama at the top of it. Um, look, they've had a poor performance. Absolutely. Uh, it was the offense didn't look good. The defense wasn't particularly great. The defense made some plays late to uh, kind of seal the victory or at least be able to hold on to it. Um, but if we're judging them just off of uh, uh, one game this week and saying that they're not a good team, I think you'd be mistaken. I mean, I think they are a good team. They had one slip up loss to, to AM. Yeah, they were an 18 point favorite. Uh, but until until they lose again, yeah, I will continue beating the Alabama drum. Okay, and, and that's going to be the case. I don't care if they're squeaking out one point wins or if they're winning by 60. This is going to be a good team. And when all, you know, when all is said and done, if they end up losing again or they end up not making the playoff, I will be okay knowing that, hey, I put my money or I put my, you know, I, I hitched my wagon to the Alabama truck. That's fine with me because uh, more times than not, when you're going to do that, you're going to come out on top. And so, uh, you know, if this happens to be the one year that, that you don't, so be it. But until I see something where they just look absolutely terrible or they just are losing time and time again, I'm still going to, like I said, hitch my wagon to Alabama and uh, and continue saying that they are a good team and we're going to see them in the playoff. How can you say they didn't look absolutely terrible this past weekend? They were the 30 point favorites. Good, yeah. The offense was the offense did not look good. Absolutely, the offense did not look any good. Uh, Bryce Young was struggling. the The whole offense looked did not look good. I that you will get zero pushback from me. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah, well, then I, the defense looked good because Mac Johns, Max Johnson is an incompetent quarterback. And if they had anybody else better than there, they probably would have won the game. And this goes back to, like, like I know the Tennessee final score makes it look like they won by 28 or whatever. But that game going in the fourth quarter was a one-score game. And Tennessee's off, Tennessee is a good offense. And they were moving the ball the first three quarters up there. And they got a couple bad plays here and there. But they were able to move the ball on the Alabama offense. That's why it's kind of just like a a pick and choose or whatever, which, which week's going to happen there. Like, look, Ohio state this weekend, I didn't get to see the game. I was out caddying. I watched the highlights, but they didn't, they didn't look great. Their offense. I know Stroud threw for a ton of yards, but the run game was struggling a little bit. And Nebraska, look, Nebraska's played a lot of teams tough this year. They're, I'm going to do the whole, you know what? They're three and seven, but they're probably, a, they should probably have more wins than three, but that's what their record is. So they're a below average team. And that's a that's a road game out there. So look, if Nebraska I'm, had look, I will say this: if if Scott Frost is not the coach in Nebraska, or if Scott Frost has any ounce of cajones, they might win that game because there was quite a few times where they could have gone for it on fourth down and tried to you know instead of kicking a field goal or instead of settling the punt or whatever that they could have gone for it. And you give yourself a de decent chance the way they're moving the ball against Ohio State that they probably could have converted a couple of those fourth downs, but he just, I mean, he was waving the white flag from the jump. So maybe they don't win that game, but maybe they still, you know, make it even closer than it was, which what was it? Uh, eight, nine point game. Yeah, they won. What? Yeah, they won by nine. Um, but yeah, look, I'd also like to see Scott Frost be a coach without Taylor Martinez as a quarterback or whoever, what, whatever Martinez guy that is, because he's been there forever. And I feel like he's just been hamstrung to him, but like Oregon, look, you're going to have grinded out, wins and that's what they did at washington like that's why i don't really it's georgia and then it's pretty much everybody else to me like michigan state i know you picked them this week i thought purdue was going to win just because the big emotional comeback win over michigan um and then this is what purdue does they 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 beat uh highly highly ranked teams and their offense is actually pretty pretty good there so i also i really never thought michigan state was going to be around at the end but that's what happened there in Cincinnati. Look, close. 
a close a close one against Tulsa. Like I just other than Georgia, everybody's just kind of in the same same bin for me. Yeah, I like I said, I, you won't get a whole ton of pushback from me on that. But uh, uh, the thing that you will is, I still think Alabama is a good football team. Now, now are we comparing them to their best seasons ever? If that's what we're comparing them to, fine. Then yeah, I mean that's like when we compare LeBron to old versions of himself. Like there aren't other teams that we can compare him to, or or excuse me, other players that we can compare him to. So if we're comparing this Alabama team to national championship Alabama teams, yeah, this team's no good. But if we're just looking at it right now, still think they're a decent football team. But isn't that what the standard is at Alabama national championships? So they're going to judge them. I'm not saying, look, it's an unfair, it's an, it's unfair to judge them on the team last year, which is like one of the best of all time, right up there with the LSU team the year before. But going back to say when they won with Tua, when he came in in uh, overtime against Georgia, that was the Jalen Hurts year. And when they other national champion, like the standard at Alabama is to win national championships. And this, this team to me, doesn't, isn't on that level right now. All right, we'll 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 see come uh come December because um, look last, I could look very I dumb. Kirby, Kirby Smart's still the head coach of Georgia. That's fine. Look, I could look pretty dumb, uh, saying this, but so far I've not, I haven't been impressed with the. I shouldn't say that. I just think this Alabama team is not up to par with the other ones. And um, yeah, with that. Um, all right. So we didn't do our coaches thing. Do you have a coaching de- des- uh, decision from the week that you didn't like? You know, I didn't see a whole. I mean, I mentioned Scott Frost. There's a couple times where yeah. I could have gone for gone for gone for it on fourth down a few times, uh, but there weren't any egregious calls uh, or miscues that I saw uh, yesterday. Um, so uh, maybe actually this is uh, similar to the one that I went to with uh, Washington a few years or a few weeks back. Uh, maybe not a coaching decision, but more of a front office decision of drafting Jordan Love. All right. <laughs> it's one game. Um, mine was Dak being out there in the fourth quarter yesterday. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah. And yeah. then running the ball with him. Like, hey, we're going we're gonna to utilize the uh, quarterback run right now. He should have been in the game in the fourth quarter. That was a, a, bone, a boneheaded decision. There's uh there's this uh so on Twitter I uh was doing a little trolling as I'm in, in prone to do from time to time and uh somebody had tweeted out like worst first half of football first of first of all this is this was very funny people were like oh man that's the worst half of football I've seen from the Cowboys since I can remember I'm like do you not remember last season I mean they they literally look like trash last just last year uh which that was funny but somebody was like uh you know that was a terrible first half and so I responded and said, you got to assume we see Cooper Rush in the second half. And the amount of people that thought I was dead serious is like, do, do people not get what Twitter is? Like, that's what Twitter is. You just go on there and be sarcastic and talk crap and troll a little bit. And everybody's like, oh, who's this guy? This What's this guy smoking? I'll have whatever this guy's drinking. And people are like, oh, you're crazy. I can't believe this. So I got a, I got a few chuckles out of that for people uh, taking me serious, saying uh, let's get Cooper Rush out there in the second half because Dak wasn't uh, up to standards. Did you see the Mac Jones play? Uh, I don't think so. No, the dirty play that he did. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Oh, I'll send this to you. It so he got. It was when he got strip sacked or threw a pick. It was the uh, Brian Burns. Um, it was the. Uh, hold on, let me let me text this to you. Um, it was when. Oh, here we go. Uh, I'm watching it right here. Okay. 
Oh yeah. Are yeah. you seeing the field level angle? Yeah. That's t- that's bad. That's uh Grayson Allen esque. Very, very Grayson Allen esque. And look, if you people were defending him yesterday by saying, "Hey, you know what? He thought he had the ball." Well, he didn't think he had the ball because you know what? After he saw him writhing in pain on the ground, he would have looked over at him and asked how he's doing, or at least yeah. given him a, "Hey, buddy, are you okay?" He just shrugged uh, his shoulders and walked away. Walked away. I mean, that is. That's pretty dirty. I'm not, look, there's a lot of stuff out there, but you're going at a dude's ankles. Like, that's a pretty dirty play right there. Yeah. I think it warrants a one-game suspension. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I wouldn't go that far. Well, that's because the Browns play the Patriots this week. Oh, <laughs> okay. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Um, who's the backup? Brian Hoyer? Are you, are you sure you want to face Brian Hoyer? Yes, I want to face Brian Hoyer. I've seen Brian Hoyer play a lot, and he stinks. Oh, I don't know. Well, who is he's might be the third string. I don't know who actually the backup is. I know he's there. Revenge game, Brian Hoyer. Do they still have? Can it be a revenge game when he went seven and four? Yeah, as a starter, absolutely. I don't think it's a revenge game. Um, what? uh, Do they still have Jared Stidham? Yes. Okay, then he's probably the the backup. I'm looking right now, and it says Brian Hoyer's listed as the backup. Okay. All right. Well. Hey, I'll I'll have a go at Hoyer. Um, we'll do that there. All right. Uh, you have I we have matching picks for you. College. I had a great week in college this week. Nice bounce back. Seven one and one. Hawaii with a push late at night. The only loss was the uh, Clemson under. Again, two in a row going on. The only two games that have gone over for Clemson are the two games I bet the under. So maybe we need to get off that trend. But then I look, they're playing UConn this week, and that totals 49. How are both teams scoring more than that? But uh, we'll get to that on Thursday. What are your maxion picks for this week? Maxion for this week? Well, first off, uh, tough, tough week for me. Uh, I actually, on Saturday, went 1-6. and six. And uh, so between maxion and my Saturday picks, we went four and seven on the week, uh, bringing up my record to 63 and 36. Nice little palindrome there. Uh, for this week, I got Buffalo plus a seven and a half. Uh, I got Eastern Michigan Lane six and a half. I like Northern Illinois catching two and a half as a home dog. Um, this Toledo game, I don't know what to make <laughs> of it. So, I mean, I, I don't, like I said, I don't know what to make of it. Um, it's, uh, it's scrambling my brain a little bit. And then I'm going to go uh, Kent State plus two and a half against Central Michigan. Okay. You got a game. You got a, oh, you, you laid off Akron, Western Michigan. Yeah. I was going to go under there, but there's a chance that Western Michigan scores 70 by themselves. So, yeah. This is also an interesting week for Maction because we've got a couple of teams that didn't play last week playing that had the whole week off. Yeah. They played like Saturday before the first Tuesday, and now they're playing teams that played last Tuesday, so they get a little extra rest. Uh Like one of those is uh, the Bowling Green Toledo game. So I don't, and they just came off a big win against Buffalo. I only, I have Ball State, Northern Illinois, one of them. I have uh, the over in uh, Kent, Central Michigan, that is 72. I am also on Eastern Michigan, uh, minus six and a half. Look, Ohio got their big outright win last week against Miami. Don't think that they're going to do that. Um, They're going to do that uh, again. And then I'm going to take the uh, over in Buffalo, Miami. 
that will be my last. That is 57. Um, so look, last week, underdogs went, what, five and six? Every dog cover, yeah, underdogs went five and six, and overs went five and six. So hopefully overs, and then we revert to favorites. This week. Well, a couple dogs for us, but uh, that's what I got. Eastern Michigan over in Kent, and then over in uh, Buffalo. Right on. All right. College, how about this? College basketball starts tomorrow. Yeah, I know. Wild. Not that I know anything about any players or any teams or who's going to be good or not, but college basketball is back. You know what that means? The devastating. Like, if there is a sport that gives you the worst bad beats of all time, it is college basketball. There is no doubt about it. If you're betting that, you will get just destroyed with bad beats left and right. Especially early. early. I feel like Ugh. especially early in the season. I, I mean, yeah, especially early in the season, but I, I mean, it happens the whole year. Yeah, oh, no, Just no doubt. Devastating. You know what? My buddy texted me this morning. He goes, why the hell are there no lines out right now for the games tomorrow? And I go, dude, I don't really know. I can't tell you. Um, so he was uh, pretty mad about that, but I got no idea uh, what's going on there. All right, last Thursday, we forgot to talk about the World Series. Wrapping up, the Braves won against the Astros. Did you see Trevor Pluth, what he did? He called it. He called it Braves over Astros in six games in March. I did not. Yeah, he called that in March. They said if he would have put a $1,000 bet on that outcome, he would have won $12 million, I think. Jesus. Yeah, but obviously he did not do that. Um, so, um, yeah, he's got that. But, uh, yeah, no World Series. And now we go to the offseason, which uh, I was probably going to see a uh, work stoppage as Jan- as December 1st is when the uh, CBA runs out. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of free agent moves going before that. Yeah, they'll still do the standard qualifying offers as they ended yesterday and all that stuff. But don't think we're going to see a lot of movement uh, coming up until probably whenever the deal gets done. And who knows when that's going to be. Yeah, that could literally be like days before pitchers and catchers report or days before uh... – uh, spring training that's uh, we see people kind of start signing deals i don't know if you saw this but a little veteran savvy move trevor bauer did not opt out of his contract don't know why he did that smart guy <laughs> some may say smart guy trevor bauer i wonder when that situation is gonna end is he gonna pitch next year yeah who knows um but uh no there's a lot of a lot of interest. There's a lot of big names out on the market, and guys are going to be left holding the bag for sure. There's going to be some guys that are. Look, if you're a team that has a little less money, I think you probably can be able to get a good player. You can get some good players at a lesser value because there's just not going to be as many big spenders out there as there have been uh, in the past. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to be able to, because there's a lot of. I mean, I mean, if you need a shortstop, this is your year to get this one. This is the year to do it. Yeah. Um, because you got Seeger, Correa, and then Trevor Story, Marcus Simeon, those two guys to a lesser extent. Um, I mean, you got a lot. There's a lot. Javi Baez, if you want to take that risk um, out there. So that's a big, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that you can uh, you can go after. It's going to be, I mean, and even shortstops and then old, very, very good old starting pitchers. Like that's the market. Yeah. Um, but uh, all right. Do you have anything else here? Uh, I think that'll do it for the uh, for the week. Oh, one last thing. One last last thing. 
I don't know what I did in a previous life to deserve this or what kind of bad karma I've created in this life. But the fact that two of my teams that I root for have trash bag owners and just do not know how to run their organization is baffling to me. Like, I don't know how many percentage of sports fans are Washington football team fans and also Suns fans, probably a very, very small number. But the fact that this whole thing with the Suns organization is going on, Robert Sarver, nobody's liked him since he's bought the team. He's been a trash bag just like because he's cheap. But now we realize he's a trash bag, like actually as a human being. So I'm hoping this turns into another uh, uh, Donald Sterling uh, incident and and he is forced to sell because we've already seen that they will make a guy do that. Uh, so the precedent is there. Now, granted, is he going to be able to make like a billion dollars off this? Yeah, probably. Does he deserve that? Absolutely not. But if uh, if Suns fans can be freed from Robert Sarver and the employees that work in the organization can be freed from him and all his lackeys that run around and uh, and run that joint like it's, uh, you know, Mad Men back in 1960, that would be great for them as well. So, you know, hopefully that's the end of this uh, investigation is that he uh, he's forced out. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. Just an absolute brutal time, brutal time for me right now. Well, they're coming off a finals appearance. Yeah, the, the the last one for the next 25 years, probably. But they still made it. They did. I mean, that was a good run. They were up 2-0. And they lost. They sure did. But, hey, you know what? One team's won four in a row, and is 7-4, and four, and they played eight road games, five and three on the road. Things are cooking over there in, within Cavs land. They they are. Look, I'm last year they got off to a hot start and I didn't really believe it. This year I'm buying in. I'm buying. In. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team. They can fight for they can fight for the play in spot. Uh, but the Cavs are good. And if there's Lori Markinen for turning that franchise around. Well, Lori Markinen's been out the last. He hasn't played in a week. Yeah, so he he kind of jump started this whole thing before he's he went been out. in health and safety protocols. The Cavs, I will say, look, if you want to say, oh, well, the Cavs, whatever. They're beating bad teams. The easiest game they've had is probably against Charlotte. Well, Toronto, but uh, which they want led for five. Charlotte's good. I know, but Toronto's good too. They haven't played a game against a losing record this season. Like, well, the Clippers. Pause on that. But like the Cavs schedule has been brutal so far to start this season. Like they're beating good teams. Like they play good teams every night. Like they haven't played any of the the doldrums they haven't got the pelicans on the schedule the ross the the rockets yet who's even the worst team in the east the pistons um who else is down at the bottom there the magic they haven't feasted on these bad teams they're beating good they're beating good good teams and they're doing it with literally no small forward at all which is a, a remarkable performance so far but all right that'll do it for us Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you on Thursday.